0: Blue, 42, set, ha! Feels good to be back on the playground with that one, Pat. <laughs> nice. Back. My name is
1: Pat Finn. We're, we're, uh, we're jumping in from Charlotte, North Carolina. We got Grace Wimbish out on the West Coast in Los Angeles. Not right now, though. He's in Richmond, Virginia. It's and, then, it's and then, I almost did that twice in a row. And then we got Billy Ray, the son of San Diego, out there uh, having fun watching the Mets lose. Uh, this weekend. But we are the Sons of Saturday. We're excited. We got a lot of fun, uh, fun things to talk about. We got David Hale coming on. He brought the juice as always. But first, before we dive into the three big things and some other fun stuff and then David Hale, we got to let you know the Sons of Saturday podcast is proudly presented by the Main Street Pharmacy. I mean, there, there are Tons of pharmacies out there, but how many of your how many of your pharmacists love the Hokies? Ask yourself that the next time you go into your pharmacy. Does my pharmacist love Virginia Tech? If the answer is no, you are going to the wrong pharmacy. So 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 put it in reverse and go to the Main Street Pharmacy. Jeremy Counts, Doctor Lord Jeremy Counts of Blacksburg, uh, he is the man, and he loves Virginia Tech, loves the Hokie community. And uh, we'll help you with all of your COVID-19 necessities and questions. So please file on into the Main Street Pharmacy where you are not a number. You are a neighbor. Can we and tag team
2: this real quick? Can we tag team this really, really yeah. fast? So I called I called Jeremy the other day, first and foremost. Uh, walk in vaccinations are available call in vaccinations are available they are um in terms of uh they're not selling ice cream but they are selling for free vaccinations and it is of the moderna variety so go get your moderna fauci ouchie over at the main street pharmacy other than that we also talked about his love for virginia tech and he tied it we I, i tied it in actually Um, You know, you heard about trickle down economics um, from the 80s under the Reagan administration and different administrations. Well, not to get political, but it is trickle down economics because the money that goes to Main Street Pharmacy is then trickled down or trickled up into the Virginia Tech athletic community, whether that be athletes themselves. You see Trey Turner has a uh, sponsorship deal with them. He has uh, the offensive line is working with him as well. He is a huge, huge supporter of the basketball team, the football team. You'll see his ads and his logos all over that. So when you're filling up your prescriptions, you're also filling up the pockets of the teams that you want to perform and you want to do well. You want Wi-Fi in Lane Stadium? Well, then go get your, um, you know, Z-Pack from Jeremy Counts. So shout out but to. Let me Jeremy do. You want
0: uh, an even more solid, solid? Let's triple team this. Last night, hampton <laughs> Wimbush sends Pat, Billy Ray, and myself a Snapchat. And who's in that Snapchat wearing a Sons of Saturday T-shirt, the one that you can only get at the Main Street Pharmacy. That would be Terrell Smith. The Juice was wearing on merch at the top of the stairs last night. And uh, you can only get that T-shirt, and it's a really cool T-shirt, one of a kind, and they're going fast at the Main Street Pharmacy. So go on down there and check those out.
2: Pat, we got a hokey haiku. What do we got?
1: Fantastic. All right. hogi Haiku submitted by yours truly a few minutes ago. Hail back on the pod. Will we see him in Blacksburg? 12 days till game day. Bill, talk to us about the hub.
2: The hub in Blacksburg. They recently had move in. Uh, you can check out all the smiling faces. I'd be smiling if I was moving into an apartment with a jacuzzi and a hot tub and a beautiful, beautiful living arrangement like they have. I'd be smiling Ear to ear, ear to ear, head on over to their website. Okay, boop, boop, boop. I can't type right now because my computer is a little further away. Uh, I'm operating mouse only right now, but it appears, oh, we got a nice little quote here. Quote, I am super impressed with the hub, two exclamation points. I've gone by the complex and it is very beautiful building. The staff is so friendly and professional. I had to check out the place after seeing so many of their Instagram posts. Would definitely recommend checking out the hub that is Aaron H from Blacksburg check them out um special $100 off all 4 by 4 plans also get up to $700 when you sign wow it was very very radio uh radio read there but in all seriousness check out the hub we love the hub the hub is fantastic shout out to everybody who has signed so far I think I don't know how we're going to organize our podcasts here um Actually, I do, because we've done it before. But uh, this is probably the last installment of uh, the Big Three as we know it uh, until football season concludes. Um, But we are going to roll right along here with our Big Three. Pat, take it away with what's going on in recruiting at Virginia Tech. All right. Well, have you guys ever uh, been in a fancy hotel
1: that has one of those revolving doors? I have. Yeah. So – We had a little bit of in and out. You know, some people go in, some people come out. Uh, Some attrition, some new folks in the boat. That said, we'll start off with the good news. MD to VT got two defensive backs out of the state of Maryland for the class of 2022 over the past few weeks. Um, Because I know we didn't do our big three last week uh, since we had our season preview. Mansoor Delane, come on down out of Severn, Maryland uh Mansour Delane was it sounded like he was going uh going to Maryland leaning towards Maryland and uh he actually decided to you know pull a little audible go and and visit Virginia Tech again and committed to Virginia Tech I believe on August 11th or August 10th um so welcome to Hokey Nation uh Mr. Delane good to see Virginia Tech uh win the recruiting battle over a a foe From the big 10 specifically uh you know the dmv area mike loxley i'm much more of a fan of uh of hokies from the dmv going to virginia tech than i am uh, of maryland so welcome to Hokie nation mansoor delane and then also had some big news out of maryland again cornerback um this this guy archbishop i believe archbishop spaulding is where cam johnson Made his commitment. Four-star cornerback out of the state of Maryland as well. Uh, A Six-foot, 165 pounds, had an offer from Boston College, um, and it looked like it was going to be between us and Boston College as well. Um, He actually had a handful of other offers too. Um, Rated a .8952, four-star, on 24-7. So just exciting to see that this staff, Ryan Smith, again, Making moves uh, in the recruiting ranks for Virginia Tech, landing some uh, four-star talent there. Um, so good to see Cam and Mansoor commit over the past few weeks. Another recruit, another another uh, another headline here: John Love, a kicker out of Spartanburg, uh, twenty twenty-two, uh, committed to Virginia Virginia Tech as well. It says he is listed as a five-star kicker. Uh, as the 53rd ranked kicker in the nation. Um, don't Pretty, know much
2: about... Does it really make sense?
1: Don't know much about kicker ratings. Uh, I do know that Cole's kicking might inflate the uh, the kicker ratings because, you know, must be a lot of... Uh, a lot different than how other players are evaluated by rivals or 24-7. But regardless, we got John Love in the boat. So welcome, John Love from Spartanburg, South Carolina. And then... Uh, on the flip side, uh, the revolving door. Who's coming out? Xavier Sivens, decommitted from Virginia Tech, and flipped to Missouri. Uh, linebacker out of North, I believe Northwest Guilford High School in the Greensboro area. Same high school as Trey Turner. Missouri came knocking. They say, "Hey, NIL. Hey, SEC. Hey, Super Conference." I'm sure that had to do with it in some capacities. Um,
2: and who knows?
1: Who I really knows? I, I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not assuming anything. But I will assume that it could play a factor. A lot of thing. A lot of a lot of things are happening right now with uh, with SEC realignment and, and uh, players, you know, taking advantage of their own likeness. But um, that that was definitely a bummer losing a linebacker like Simmons to uh, to the SEC and to Missouri. That said, uh, that's the number one point of the week. How about number two?
0: Number two. Let's let uh, let's get right into it. It's time for Hokies in the NFL, presented by Carillion Clinic, finding better health. <laughs> if, if y'all remember those that Lane Stadium when they used to have the Hokies back in the NFL, shout out Bill Roth. I'll never forget that. Some Hokie news, some guys kicking ass in the NFL preseason. First off, Brian Johnson for the Chicago Bears, 54-yard field goal yesterday. Is that good? That's that really, good? really good. Uh stoked for Brian uh, to see you doing your thing. Another Chicago Bear, Khalil Juice Herbert. Had its, I guess, uh, I think it was a 24-yard touchdown, something like that. He looked good. He looked really, really good. The Bears were kind of getting their rear ends kicked, but it is the preseason. And uh touchdowns when a hokey scored them are pretty tight. So shout out to shout out to Juice. On the West Coast, Jared Hewitt sacks Drew Locke in Seattle, number six, That was tight. That That was was really cool. Uh, Shout out to the left left tackle on that play. Totally missed Hewitt. (laughs) Like, just didn't see him coming at all. Uh, Down in Pat Finn's neck of the woods, Joey Sly is kicking field goals. Uh, Year three for him in Charlotte, I'm pretty sure. Stoked for Joe. See him doing his thing. Last week, Logan Thomas had a huge catch. Contract re-upped for the former Virginia Tech quarterback. Uh, Absolutely gassed and very, very happy for him. It always kind of makes me wonder, what if he had played tight end for the Hokies? But he was a great quarterback for the Hokies, so we were very uh, very. – Someone's
2: got to throw him the ball. Someone's got to throw him the ball.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and uh, Fitzpatrick was saying that he likes having LT in the huddle because he's another another voice, uh, like a quarterback voice. So, I always I was think that's pretty Dude,
2: Fitz loves Hokies. Fitz loves Isaiah Ford. Fitz loves Logan, Logan Thomas. And that guy's smart, too. He doesn't just like anybody. He went to Harvard or Princeton sure. or one of those schools. One of those Ivy Leagues.
1: Yeah. Harvard. Fitz Magic. He's got the nice beard. Uh, Logan Thomas does have a deep voice. If you've ever yes. heard him in an interview. Very deep voice. Uh, other news. Damon Hazleton signed with the Packers uh, for camp.
2: Saw that. Can I? Um, I was thinking. I was thinking who the other person was. Why does Virginia Tech? Why do we, when players depart or bad news happens, they're with the same school? We lose Xavier Simmons. Where does he go? He goes to Missouri. Where did Damon Hazleton go? Or Damon? Or we always argue about this. He went to Missouri. Florida's given us trouble in the past. Florida, man. It's I mean, always Florida. Florida's the
0: bane of our existence.
2: Why does this happen Crazy. so much at the same place? I don't really <laughs> like that. I wish it would stop. <laughs>
0: Also, shout out Isaiah Ford. You know, you just mentioned uh, Fitzmagic talking about Isaiah Ford. He is uh, signed again with the Dolphins. He's wearing number twenty now, which is uh, pretty interesting. But yeah, I, I,
2: I, I gotta like. say, man, I want I wanted to work, I wanted to work in Miami. I really, really do. Um, but uh, it's it's like. It's like you gotten to this point where it's like they're um, they're like that one friend who's in a relationship with somebody that you just really don't like uh, and they won't stop It's like the the Dolphins can't quit Isaiah Ford so I'm hoping uh, that they got a lot of names on that roster um, he continues to perform well uh, you continue to see footage come out of him balling out of practice uh, and it's a very very deep room so excited to see uh, what happens uh, there uh, but I think there definitely is a future for Isaiah um in the NFL just don't know where it's going to be um but stop playing with my guy Dolphins stop doing it stop
0: (laughs) agreed uh big thing number three moving right along the ACC road trip the ACC network crew made a pit stop in Blacksburg uh I got to watch it all the way through with my old man thought it was great we saw interviews with coach Fu which shout out to to coach Fu I, I I honestly think he was he was very energetic. He seemed to be having a lot of fun,, uh, which is always really, really good to see. And I loved his uh, the the hoodie he's got. I guarantee he's players and coaches only, but I, I need that. Uh, I really need that. There was also interviews with uh, Braxton Burmeister and Shamari Connor. Uh, e j Manuel and Jordan Cornett were conducting those interviews. We saw Jimmy Mitchell give us a tour of the new student athlete center with the new upgraded weight facilities. Uh, which is just an absolutely gorgeous facility. uh you can really, really tell that they made great strides uh to just dump money into that and are really, really uh, valuing the student athletes as a collective. Not dude, the school, meeting rooms looked awesome awesome, so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and J- and James Mitchell even said I mean, it's just so much nicer than what we used to have, which you you love it's to hear fact. that yeah, it's a we used, well, to, we
2: used to meet in like uh if there was like uh, if there was like a gold version of like janitor closets, that's what we would Like the, we would
0: re- <laughs> the remedial English class yeah. uh like like a room ribs. that you would
2: sit in detention in in like 5th grade, like that's where we used to be meeting and now it's <laughs> like, you know, it's up to par. So I'm excited about that. Don't forget also uh athletic director Whit Babcock sat down for him yes. too. They literally they pulled out all the stops, man. I was I was thoroughly impressed. Because at first I thought it was going to be thirty minutes, and they said we have an hour on Virginia Tech. I was like, "Oh man, let me let me kick my feet up here. Let me let me brew a pot of coffee here in the afternoon." Um, But man, I I I loved it. It was so good. You know, I
0: I I was a little I was a little concerned. I guess not
2: concerned, but I just
0: Braxton, you got to get your weight up, man. Out of the uh, how well do you know your head coach? Brax went. Two for five, Dude, they Gotta were get hard those numbers questions, up. bro. I they, they were, they they were, but it's you know, they they said, I think like the Clemson guys got five out of five, and some of the other guys got they five probably out gave them softballs, yeah, they probably did. You know, they yeah. like to make those programs look real nice, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of which, in one of those questions, uh, it was who is Coach Fuente's favorite wrestler, and apparently his favorite wrestler is The Rock, which I think is a great choice. Me, myself, I'm personally a stone cold Steve Austin kind of guy, but. I you think know, you're we-
2: the only guy on this podcast that watches wrestling.
0: You know what? I grew up watching <laughs> it. So uh, shout out, shout out Brady Hess and Jesse Dix because there's there's my I, there's my hokey so I talk wrestling with. Uh, Brax Bill, I know you'll appreciate this with the white Birkenstocks. Fire on, on the TV. Son of SoCal, he's bringing that Fire. SoCal Steve's. I, I, my old man was like, what is he, what is he wearing? I said, dad, he gets up in the morning, puts on his working stocks and yep. meditates and drinks tea. Yep. And that's, you know, <laughs> that's just what he does. I don't know. Uh-huh. Uh, don't ask too many questions. And then last but not least our guy, Evan Hughes, Inter- got to interview EJ Manuel and Jordan Cornette and uh, he crushed it as per usual. So shout out to Evan. Um, love to see you doing your thing, man. I-, I don't know if that was your first assignment in your new position. But um we're stoked for you, man. You're uh, you're a national treasure. Uh,
2: other other interview news uh coming out of the Hokie's Athletics Department. I want to shout out uh Lays and Burnup, who uh did their first edition of the Coach's Corner, I th- I believe it's called, but they will be interviewing Coach Cornelson and Coach Hamilton. Hashtag humanize coach Cornelson, hashtag get coach Hamilton spoken to as much as possible. Uh, and it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, they're going to be doing it repetitively. And again, it just kind of, uh, is another way that Virginia tech is doing a better job in the marketing and PR department. Uh, I've really, really enjoyed the content that has come out of camp and some of the stuff they're doing, they're getting creative, the end creative sons of creativity. Um, so shout out to them.
0: And the digital Jordan long put out, the, our digital media team is so great. Uh, Jordan Long has been putting out awesome content, and I can't wait to see what they cook up over the next two weeks. I imagine they'll do something awesome pre-UNC game. Uh, mm-hmm. And also just seeing all this content, seeing the ACC road trip, and seeing the videos that Jordan Long and those guys have been putting out. Uh, guys, I can't wait to be back in Blacksburg here. in less than It's less than two weeks. We've got 12 days until
2: the game. It's next week, dude. Pat was saying it with David Hale, Pat. I know you're fired up, man. We'll be riding. We'll be riding up together. Yes. So (laughs) other stuff coming out of the athletics department, um, Devin Taylor, no longer with the football program. Uh, kind of a bummer contributed last year. Uh, I figured that he would be one of the players that would take a step this year in that bolstered defensive back unit. Uh, I think we're going to be okay. Um, but he is no longer with the program. Tyrese Radford. Yo, pour one out. Um, God, that sucks. Tyrese Radford kind of talks myself into thinking that he'd be back. Um, but he is not, he is going to Texas A&M, uh, back with Buzz Williams, uh, at Texas A&M hashtag get better. Um, no way to spin it. This sucks. Tyrese Radford, the tenacity that he plays with the, um, Ability to plug and play. Pat and I know a lot about plug and play and technology, uh, but it works very well in basketball as well. You can throw him in there in multiple situations. Um, With all of that said, his contributions for this program and helping lay the foundation for the culture and chemistry that is there now um, has been monumental. Uh, So wishing him nothing but the best in college station, Texas with buzz Williams. Um, what else do we have as well? Uh, asking you please, uh, buy your Carolina tickets. There are still some available on the hokey sports page. Not too sure what you guys are doing. Uh, it's going to be a party. Uh, let's get that figured out. Let's get those tickets bought and let's all jump together as a family on September 3rd. Um, so just wanted to throw that out there. Um, Last one that I have, and then I'll turn it over to you, Pat. Um, Don V. Uh, had Eric Kuma on his podcast this past week. Um, Don V. and uh, our boy Kokio Drifts continuing to put out good content along with all of the other podcasts. Uh, if you listened to it, great. If not, go on and check it out. Something just to keep in mind. Uh, no reason to bash former players. No reasons to... Um, get all bent out of shape. Um, the only thing that I'll say on that is there are plenty of examples and plenty of players and in interviews, whether we've done them here or whether uh, they've been on other podcasts, where you can hear what Sam Rogers thinks about the program. And a lot of people are going to have different opinions. It doesn't make their opinion wrong. It doesn't make their them an idiot or anything else um, but people are going to have their opinions. Um, a good example that I would like to give is if somebody decides to leave Apple and then goes and works for HP or Microsoft, they're probably not going to be very fired up about Apple. Um, so that's kind of what you just got to uh, gotta understand. But um, shout out to them. Great job on that interview. Pat, am I missing anything? Is there anything else going on in Hoki Nation that I may have not uh, tapped into? I think that's it. That is it. Um, I guess the other topic that we'll talk about here is UNC weekend. A uh, couple of updates for you there. Um, we, for the first time in the history of Sons of Saturday, are going to be doing game day sticker, game day pins. Excuse me. Our graphic wizard Al Jones spun up a really cool concept. It is now our AV on Twitter and Instagram because. Be Carolina is the goal. That is the mission. And that is the pins that will be. Pins are available. falling. The pins are were, falling. If you got do that's another OG plug. That's a throwback. Two weeks in a row, in a row on an OG plug. Um, so the game day pins and the sons of Saturday stickers will be available around. Uh, you can definitely go get one at main street pharmacy. We'll be putting a ton over there, uh, but also check it out. We will be tailgating in lot one around spot 160 um so come on down we'll have stickers we'll have pins um but this is something that we're looking to do game specific stuff whether it's towels noisemakers we're kind of kicking some stuff around so if you guys have an idea of something you'd like to see please let us know um but the boys will be buzzing in north care or in blacksburg for the north carolina game here real soon uh airbnb on clay street shout out i'm um, gonna be doing uh a lot of fun stuff, and really excited to see everybody engage with people, hug, Hold up. drink some beer. Uh, if you're not into beer, you know, drink some O'Douls or, or whatever, whatever you want to do that weekend. Um, but we're really, really excited um, to be back together. Um, and we kind of jumped into this, Grayson. If you may have noticed, Grayson's <laughs> voice is a little bit different um, because of some recent events. So, Grayson, can you just <laughs> catch us up on what has what has gone down here? Uh, in the past <laughs> few days? I most certainly could. I uh,
0: the reason I sound like Tom Sizemore uh, is because the reason I've been home for this extended period of time is I I actually uh, was born with a deviated septum in my nose, and it has hindered my breathing ability very much so my entire life, uh, which is pleasant. Um, So I the reason I'm home is was to get surgery and have it fixed and have it corrected. And last Tuesday. Uh, I did just that hour and 30 minute operation. I went lights out, bye-bye and got my deviated septum fixed. The surgery was, you know, I was under general anesthesia, so I couldn't feel it, but I woke up and I knew that recovery was going to be very painful and it was very much so. I had splints in my nose for four days. I couldn't breathe out of my nose. I I had to sneeze out of my mouth. My doctor instructed me to sneeze out of my mouth. I don't know what that means, and I still don't. Um, but I am in recovery uh, and will be for the next pretty much month. Uh, can't swim or do certain things. I probably Dude, will not swim be able It's fun. That sucks. Yeah, can't swim for a little while. Probably will not be able to jump at Lane Stadium for Enter
2: Sandman, which is even more of a bummer. Uh, so if you see- uh, I am gonna be honest with you, dude. You, all right, you didn't get you didn't get your legs taken off. I think you can do I, some I think you can do some some bumping along. I gotta be Pat, careful. Can you, can dude. you, can you, can you tie crazy, break here? Man. I I think that's a little
0: I, I don't I- know, man. I am I'm, I'm I'm being serious. Like if you see me at the tech game, just if you dab me up, just be careful bringing me in. <laughs> just punch him right in the <laughs> do face. Do not do that. <laughs> do the exact opposite of what Billy Ray just said regardless to some to sum this up uh, I'm doing much better. I got my splints out on Friday. Uh, so if you see me looking like Poindexter with my nasal spray in Blacksburg, that's what's up. Uh, but yes, for successful recover.
2: So, uh, since we're doing catch-ups with everybody uh, in the middle of the podcast here, Pat, can you catch us up with the homeowner, Pat? What has gone on? Uh, have we hung some pictures up? What, what's, what's the latest on the, on the new Pat, the Pad Pad? I bought a, I bought a washer dryer. What brand? Maytag? LG? <laughs> Maytag. <laughs> of all <General laughs> the brands, Maytag.
1: <laughs> General Electric.
2: G-E. Solid investment. It is absolutely
1: electric. It actually arrives tomorrow. Um, so I don't really know, uh, don't really know anything about the installation process. I just ordered it online. I called Lowe's I'm trying to see if I could, you know, I, I really don't know. They're just going to show up tomorrow and we'll see what happens. Um, so stay tuned on the, uh, the cleanliness of my clothes. Hopefully we'll have some clean
2: clothes by the end of the week. Is this one of the ones where you can wash it? Like watch it. We, I remember when my family, uh, we had you know, some prehistoric- you mean like a,
1: a front loader.
2: Yeah, a front loader with glass. Cause I like, I was a weird kid. I used to like, when I was like six or eight, I used to like sit and watch, watch the clothes get washed. Uh, I'm not sure if you got one of those, if I can come over and watch, and watch your clothes flop around. Is it a front loader with glass? No,
1: no, Uh, for for that specific reason. I don't, I don't need you just hanging out in my house on a Sunday when I'm trying to do laundry. All right.
0: Well, here's the bad news, Pat. That day is going to come here.
2: Headed to Charlotte on Saturday. I don't even remember. I booked it when I was not really paying attention, but I'm leaving on Saturday night or Sunday morning um, for Charlotte. So that'll be exciting. Uh, Updates for me. I went to Los Angeles um, to watch the Mets. Um, They lost in typical fashion. Season's basically over, wrap it up, um, but really excited to get back to the East Coast with some green grass and green trees. I got to tell you, Grayson, I don't know if you feel the same way. Anytime they do some ACC network or uh, some flyovers, you're just kind of reminded of how the biome is so different out here. It's very green and it's, beautiful and luscious. So excited dude, I, to get it back out there.
0: I'm, I'm looking at just green as grass trees right now. and got shrubbery. I I gotta tell you, I those palm trees. After a while, believe it or not, people can't really fathom this. They do get old. They're just Q-tips,
2: man. They're Q-tips. They're just give the me some dogwoods. What did we smile about this week, fellas? Uh, what did we smile about? Is brought to you by the Chesapeake Center for Complete Dentistry, our awesome, awesome friend, and just just all-around great guy, Dr. John Cranham and the Cranham family. Uh, If you are in need of teeth bleaching, if you are in need of tooth rearrangement, if you are in need of just straight up having teeth put in your face uh, because you may have lost them along the way, along the stumbles and horrors of life, uh, head on down to the Chesapeake Center for Complete Dentistry, and he will take care of you to the utmost degree. What did I smile about? Don Reisner, good friend of mine, playing for the Denver Broncos. Uh, scored a big man touchdown this weekend. Uh, two years ago or last year, he pulled a running back in uh, in Wyatt Teller style, uh, pulled the running back in to the end zone. Well, this year he decided to take matters into his own hands and rip the ball from his running back's hands and score the touchdown himself. Um, so shout out to Big Man Touchdowns. Uh, shout out his awesome, awesome charity, uh, the Rising Up Foundation. We've tweeted about it a couple times. He does great, great work. Uh, very charitable, good dude. Check it out, um, Dalton Reisner. Pat, what are you smiling about today?
1: I'm smiling because the Virginia Tech non-conference schedule for basketball uh, was put out on the 18th a couple of days ago. Just to give you the uh, the scoop here, November 9th, Maine at home, and then we have the Navy clash. In Annapolis on November twelfth, hosting Radford on the fifteenth, hosting St. Francis on the eighteenth, and Merrimack on the twenty first, and then we head up to the Empire State for a showdown Barclays. against Memphis against Memphis on Thanksgiving Eve. That is my that'll be my birthday actually. We're going up to the Barclays Center. Bill,
2: you got to come. So are you are you not going to are you not going to the Commonwealth Clash? You are. Did Wednesday before Thanksgiving? Game's oh, not till Saturday. We'll be okay, fine. Right. I'm we'll sorry. Uh, well, can we go together? I'll go. Sure. I th- I, wait, is sure. there the, uh... the, Where's the excitement? Do you want to hang out with Bill or You're not? <laughs> I don't know. Uh,
1: I, 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 I know that you could also take that time and watch my, my clothes wash around.
3: <laughs> I wash was
0: about to season. say, I was about to be, yeah, be careful what you wish for. Like I, I, heard, I,
1: heard, I heard you were going to be busy on Wednesday, November 24th. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's up at Barclays Center, and we get – so, you know, it's a 14 tournament. tournament. Iowa State and Xavier will play the winner, uh, I guess, whoever – we'll play one of those teams on Friday, Black Friday, uh, which is also at the Barclays Center. And then uh, four games in December announced before we kick off ACC play. At Maryland, that's going to be huge. December 1st, Cornell at home on December 8th, and at Dayton on December 12th. Stoked for that game. We have the game. Uh, we have the home and home with the Dayton Flyers. And then uh, we wrap things up at the Basketball Hall of Fame shootout in Charlotte on December 17th. I put that on my calendar at Spectrum Center uh, against St. Bonnie's. St.
2: Bonaventure. The Bonnie's coming in to They're town. A good team.
1: They're Atlantic 10. Is that St.
2: Bonnie's? I don't know At- what conference they're in, but they're good. That's probably that's gonna be one of the tougher. That's gonna be one of the tougher non-conference uh games of the season. So I mean,
1: this is a solid, solid list of teams. Maryland, Dayton, St. Bonnie's, Memphis, Iowa State or Xavier. Yep, you know, Radford. Radford makes the tournament every now and then. Winning shout, the, out, uh, Mar-
0: shout out Marty Smith.
1: Go Highlanders. Uh, shout out, shout out Marty. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited.
2: You were right Pat. on the come up. St. Bonaventure in the A10 conference for men's basketball. Um, but yeah, definitely. And Dayton is in Ohio. Sorry, that's if that's his Yes, word. yes. Okay. Yeah. Ohio sucks. I won't be going, I won't be going to that game. Um other than that, uh, Grayson, take us home with uh what you what you smiled about. So this was news to me, but like over the past four days, and it's
0: not like it matters because I was recovering from surgery, two of my favorite recording artists were in the Commonwealth. Less than two hours away from me. First off, NLE Choppa was the welcome back concert at Virginia. Can you Tech. say that again?
2: can you can you say it again? Yeah, NLE Choppa. Okay. Is that how the kids are saying it?
0: That is how the kids okay. are, are are saying it. Give me actually one second, uh just typing something in. Camelot is a very popular song of his Welcome Down, featuring Roddy Rich. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm personally not a huge fan of NLE Chopper, but I, I think the kids are. Uh, not really my my cup of tea, but he was the Welcome Back concert at Virginia Tech. A couple of days ago, Hardy, country music artist, a huge fan of his, was at uh, in Harrisonburg at James Madison University. And then last night, Jack Harlow is in Charlottesville at Scott Stadium at UVA. Uh, you know, I don't give UVA a lot of props ever for anything, but Jack Harlow basically released this video of him going crazy to Fireflies by Al City with the UVA student body. And I, I what? Yeah, it was crazy. It that's was really soft. cool. I'm it, sorry. That's, it, pretty, did, did, that's on brand. I was, yeah, man, it's probably, it's, yeah, it's on brand, but it was kind of hilarious and kind of dope. Regardless, I'm just happy. I'm just happy to see college kids back having fun. A lot of them aren't wearing masks because a lot of them are vaccinated, and that's that's just that's a thing of beauty. I I remember and Billy Ray and and Pat, I know you guys gonna test this. That first week at college is like no other. It's absolutely electric. You're meeting kids from all walks of life. It's all so brand new to you. You're just trying to figure it out. The sun, you know, sun's still not going down till nine p.m. You got that that beautiful August September sky. Uh, I remember Sage the Gemini was my welcome back concert. He's terrible, but you know had a good time. It was it was. Fun. Is that like
2: that red nose guy? Like yeah, a it was uh, a uh, uh, slow down,
0: grat, go noah Gas- we like it, trying <laughs> to make it gonna cut Sage it right there. The <laughs> yeah, um, but just shout out to all the incoming freshmen who just moved in at Virginia
2: Tech. You have no idea the beauty that is the next four years that awaits you. Can you can. I missed out on this. So you said, you know, we can both attest to it. I actually can attest to it because camp just ended and I, you know, we were pretty tired. So I just napped a whole lot when we didn't have class. Pat, what was your week one experience at Virginia tech? Like, cause I really didn't have one. It was awesome. Just meeting a lot of friends went to Hokie camp.
1: Yeah. We, we did, we did the Hokie camp, uh, got on Hokie camp man. sound off a few, uh, honestly, probably over a year ago. It was awesome. I mean, you know, you're, you're, You're swiping your hokey passport at the dining hall instead of cooking food or, you know, everything, everything is just right in front of you. I mean, there's not really uh, words to describe it.
2: I'll say this, Pat, uh, Grayson, you left out the band Camino, who I actually like. Uh, They also performed at Virginia Tech as well. Um, So shout out to the band Camino and shout out Logan Ross, one of the band Camino's um, most loyal fans. Um, To check them out. Yeah, they're good stuff. uh, I prefer them over NLE, Choppa. Choppa. So, uh, (laughs) Choppa. Um, But anyway, bringing us home with Sharky Shoutouts. Before we do that, check it out. We got David Hale coming up. I think you guys are going to like some of the nuggets uh, Mr. Hale brought. Second time coming on the podcast. If you remember the last time David Hale was on this podcast, the world was falling apart. Caleb Farley was opting into going to the NFL, which was the right decision. By the way, Caleb Farley out for, him for the him. The out, out for the Titans shout out to him. Uh, but this one uh, was a ton of fun. Uh, talked conference realignment. We talked um, are the off season, our offense, the wide receiver room, which he ranked as the top in the ACC. Um, so excited about that. Uh, but Sharky shout outs. What do you have, Grayson?
0: First off, I want to shout out uh, my little brother, Hampton Wimbish. He starts uh, tomorrow. He's doing great. He's doing a year of grad school. He's getting his master's in Spanish and international studies, and he is teaching introductory-level Spanish, and I know that that's going to be a, a a huge challenge. He says that what he wants to do, Hampton, you know, he's got a baby face. He wants to walk into class day one tomorrow. He's going to sit down front of the classroom. All the students are going to come in and they're going to be like, yo, where's the professor at? And my little brother is going to lean over to someone sitting next to him and say, yo, I heard the professor of this class is a huge jerk. And then as soon as the clock strikes 2 p.m. or whenever class starts, he's going to stand up and be like, yeah, the professor's me. Can you record that? I I, I hope he records that. I'll I'll ask him, but I I hope he does it. But good luck, Hampton. Uh, stoked for you, man. Uh, and and I just think that's so cool that he's going to be teaching.
2: Shout out to Devin Wilson. Uh, Devin Wilson has moved out to SoCal. He is in San Diego. He is working in the athletic department for San Diego State. Uh, Came over last weekend um, and uh, just uh, excited to have him down here in San Diego. Um, So that's my shout out for this week. Pat, you have a shout out transitioning into some news here. Um, We're tying Grayson into the shout out. So what what do we have going on? Yeah.
1: um, You guys remember. We, we are a pro food podcast do you and last year last year during football season we had a, a relationship with a certain uh, off-campus uh, vendor of delicious food over at the roots natural kitchen we are excited because we are re-upping with roots yes we are laying down some roots with roots and you can go on there and get get some fantastic bowls that are also, you know, the healthy alternative. But um we had a lot of fun with them last year. We did giveaways every single week uh giving away free roots bowls. Chris Long when we had him on the pod, we we asked him about roots cuz roots actually is a Charlottesville based um based company. But that's not to say that uh, their food is some of the most delicious food I've had in a long time. So, I'm excited about this. We are also going to be doing a tailgate specific to Roots. Like we'll be doing some Roots catering at a tailgate over the course of this season. So stay tuned for that. #Hashtag Stay Tuned Eyeball Emojis. Uh, so, but Grayson,
0: let's hear let's hear the, uh, the the scoop. So the scoop into your bowl. There you go. Bam.
2: Oh. Okay. Whoa. Yeah,
0: you like that? All right, listen. So you're going to do what you need to do now that we are partnering with Roots Natural Kitchen again. So what you're going to do now that we are partnering with Roots Natural Kitchen again this season, we are so fired up. You're going to do the old Billy Ray. You're typing, you're typing. And unlock the old iPhone or Android. You're going to pop over to the app store, download the Roots Natural Kitchen app, create an account. It's going to take you five seconds. And then when you go in there, place an, when you place an order, use promo code and this is all caps. Sons of set twenty one for twenty percent off your order. I think that's a pretty sweet deal. I personally, I would like to say I've never had Roots Natural Kitchen, but on my listen way now. to yeah. Oh, well, here, listen. So I was on my way over to Virginia Ear Nose and Throat on last Tuesday, getting my operation right next to their office building. It was like a it was like a sign or something. Roots Natural Kitchen is right next door, and had it not been 6.30 a.m., and had I not had my face cut open, I probably would have gone to lunch there, so I can't
2: wait to try it in Blacksburg. Not that it matters. Uh, Did you see it before you went in or after before okay because i was gonna say maybe you were sky high and you were just thinking about great places to go eat and you know exists. garage type deal um <laughs> saw roots natural kitchen but that is not what happened either way grace and glad your face is doing okay pat glad that we are going to have some clean clothes and billy ray is excited to get back to the east coast uh i got a little bit of sunlight sunlight left so i'm going to go head on outside um but stay tuned for a david hale joint coming up right now
1: everybody, it is Sunday, August 22nd, quarter past 5 p.m. here uh, on Sunday. Uh, We are the Sons of Saturday, uh, Virginia Tech, and we are very, very excited because we are 12 days away from kicking off against Carolina. And we have a special guest uh, joining us this afternoon, a recurring guest, friend of the podcast, (laughs) David Hale uh, from ESPN, ACC writer. uh, David, welcome back to the Sons of Saturday. It's a pleasure to have you.
4: I am excited to be here as a recurring guest. I'm guessing like now I, I need like uh uh two more appearances on my on my membership card and then I get like a free sub or something out of this. I hope.
0: <laughs> you get a laminated membership card.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I want like it's gotta be like the five timers club on SNL where you get like a smoking the jacket. jacket. <laughs> and, <yeah.
2: laughs> That's a we gotta get we gotta get a pair cack uh a pair package ca- We gotta get a care package out to uh, out to you, Mr. Hale.
0: Um, Nobody are,
4: does care packages anymore. This is, you know, you need like the Bill Snyder. I write a letter to everybody who said something nice about me. That's that's the world that I want to live in.
0: Or the Buzz Williams. Give
2: him a card with a quote on it or something like that. <laughs>
4: yes, <laughs> yeah. You just got
2: to not give that uh, that card to recruits when he's not supposed to. But anyway,
4: Ooh, <laughs> anyway. Oh, <laughs> this is and the I ACC. Feel like I, I feel like you had that teed up and like you just it organically came
3: together, but.
2: <laughs> Very oh nice. Man. Nothing but this is a pro Buzz Williams podcast. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Mr. Hale, the reason that we are bringing uh, the reason we're bringing you on is because nobody knows the ACC better than you do. Uh, we're excited to have you on and talk a little ACC ball. But most important topic to everybody listening to this podcast is the Virginia Tech Hokies. And one of the things that I am most excited about, you are the knight in shining armor. You are the uh, uh, the pillow on a dark, stormy night. We're talking about the wide receiver room which every podcast I've gotten on here and been like, I don't know what's going on in the receiver room. Um, you know, people will say, look, Trey Turner, is he going to take that next step in his career? He weighs the same amount he came when he came in uh, last year. Jaden Payute, who's that guy? He jumps really high. He was a high-rated recruit. I've never seen him play football before. But we got this guy, James Mitchell. He's pretty good, too. One of the best tight ends in the country. You ranked this unit as the best unit in the ACC. Why? Why <laughs> sell me on this wide receiving court. Yeah, I
4: and uh, you know this is a a very unique position for me because um I, in general when I go against the grain and say something nice about a team, um all of their fans are quick to pat me on the back and say, "Look, uh, ah, hell, finally you said something smart. Uh good good for you. You are 100% right." Uh this time, I got a bunch of Virginia Tech fans that were like, "Have you watched our wide receiver? <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about?" Uh so uh, yeah, I This is a rare occurrence in which I had to defend my uh, saying something positive about a a team to that own team's fans. Um, So I understand there's there's some cynical uh, or at least pessimistic uh, Virginia Tech fans out there. I get it. So, you know, are they the best group in in the ACC? I'm not necessarily going to say definitively that's true, because part of my ranking with this was going off of of what's established versus what's unknown. And I look at a team like Clemson and there's a ton of unknown with me. There's Justin Ross coming back off of uh, a year being away and frankly, a sophomore year in which he was not great. I think the guy has 200 yard receiving games in his career. So yes, he has a high ceiling, but I don't know what we're getting from Justin Ross or this very young, very inexperienced receiving court at Clemson. I I love Sam Howell. I think he's the best quarterback in the ACC. He's going to throw for a bunch of yards. Who is he going to throw to? I don't know because North Carolina is not returning a bunch of established talent either. So, you know, maybe some of those groups are better than Virginia Tech's in totality. But you look at Virginia Tech, and particularly when you start looking at at the top end of, of the depth chart with uh, Tavian Robinson, with Trey Turner, with James Mitchell, um, and another guy who probably should be thrown in there, even though he's not technically uh, a receiver as Raheem Blackshear, who I think is probably, I think you can make the case that of the ACC running backs, he is probably as good to flex out at the receiver position uh, as there is. So look at all of that. And you say like, okay, what do you have with this group? The counting numbers do not suggest it's a great group, but a lot of those counting numbers just catches yards, touchdowns are a result of a very, uh, <laughs> for lack of a better word, inept passing game for, for Virginia Tech last year. They didn't throw the ball a ton. They didn't have the quarterback they wanted out there for most of the season. And they had a really good running back who, of course, are going to give Khalil Herbert the ball. So I tend to not look at those, like, counting numbers. Look at some of the deeper numbers. Um, If I'm remembering my numbers correctly, and I did all this research, so it's accurate. I'm just not maybe necessarily (laughs) going to tell you accurately. But they were, I think, number one in the ACC in the lowest drop rate. So to me, that's a huge thing because drops killed North Carolina last year. It, uh, drops were a problem for Clemson the year before. You've got guys who catch the ball when it's thrown their way. Yards after catch, they were great on that last year. I think they were first in the ACC in that as well. That's a big thing about turning smaller plays into bigger plays. That's a thing you need if you're Virginia Tech. Um, they had one of the highest explosive rates. Now, again, total number of explosive plays, probably not as high as like North Carolina, but on a per play basis, they're as explosive as anybody. So it's one of those things like if you take that and average it out and assume Virginia Tech is going to throw the ball a lot more this year, which I think everybody says they're going to, then those numbers should look a lot better. Even the numbers that that everybody's used to looking at and in a box score should look a lot better because the opportunities are going to be more. And when the opportunities were there for this receiving core last year, they were really, really good. They just didn't have a ton.
2: So you just mentioned that uh... – Virginia Tech didn't have the quarterback that they wanted last year contributing, um, which is going to eyebrow raise some people. Um, What is your feeling on Braxton Burmeister versus Hendon Hooker slash what conversations have you had with Coach Fuente or Coach Cornelson with why they wanted Braxton Burmeister taking, uh, taking the snaps this year?
4: Yeah, well, I mean, part of it is I think there would have been a decent chance for Burmeister to win that job coming out of camp last year if anything about last year had been normal, but it wasn't. I mean, he was dealing with COVID through most of camp. uh, So wasn't practicing and then got thrown to the wolves those first couple of games because of COVID for him and hooker. And so I don't think he was ready to be on the field when he was, if you had had a perfectly normal fall camp last year and those two quarterbacks going head to head, I don't know what we would have seen to start week one or how the season would have progressed, but Certainly the coaches say now Burmeister was our guy. He's the guy we like. That's the higher end. That's the better fit for what we wanted to do. And certainly you look at the last couple of games of last year and Burmeister's numbers look better. I think there was just, I don't want to say that Hendon Hooker hamstrung them and what they could do offensively. I think that Burmeister, the way the coaching staff views it, is he allows them to perhaps do more. Um, That's a good thing. Uh, How much more is, I think, up for debate because we have not seen a ton of him. He threw 12 passes versus Clemson and looked pretty good doing it. How interested was Clemson in really shutting down that Virginia Tech offense? Up for debate. He had a really good game versus Virginia. Virginia's secondary was terrible last year. So how much do you take from that? Up for debate. It's a small sample size but the larger sample size is what the coaches have seen on tape and in practice. And I I will say that without question, Justin Fuente and Brad Cornelson say better things about Braxton Burmeister, it seems like a bigger, uh, like they're higher on him than they have been on, on past guys. And and this is the other thing. I I, I know people are sort of down on Fuente right now and concerned about where the offense is and all of that. And and some of those concerns are, are quite justified, but you look at that first year, yes, he was playing with some of Beamer's guys, but he had a quarterback that he brought in, and Gerard Evans, and that was his guy. He liked, it was a good fit, and it worked out really well. He's just not had his quarterback since then. He will tell you that Burmeister is his quarterback. If you buy that, then I think there's a lot of upside here because, as I said, I mean it's, it's a, a pretty good backfield, not Khalil Herbert, but you've got maybe some options there, and I think it's a good... Uh, receiving corner certainly with james mitchell i mean it's as big a mismatch as there is in the acc i think at tight end so there's a lot to like about this offense if they have their quarterback and justin fuente will give you the hard sell that he's got his guy
1: so we just talked a little bit about wide receivers and a little bit about the quarterback room i'm very much intrigued to see how much downfield passing comes from braxton burmeister this year But also, you know, speaking of being intrigued, who are some of the other intriguing contributors that you and ACC fans should pay attention to uh, this year from Virginia Tech?
4: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, look, I'm not going to break any news by telling you that James Mitchell's awesome. Um, He is. But that's a guy who had 26 catches last year. And a guy with his talent and that level of sort of mismatch that he creates needs to be getting a lot more touches than that. Um, that should be your red zone home run threat. Like that, James Mitchell should go from being the guy that everybody at Virginia Tech knows about to the guy everybody in America knows about this year. And if that's not happening, then something's wrong with that offense and and somebody needs to fix that because he's that good. Um, I mentioned Raheem Blackshear, and I think he's an intriguing weapon because what you really have to do with that backfield this year is try to come up with some level of Khalil Herbert-like production from multiple guys and personnel can be a bit of a uh, use it the way you use personnel the specificity of it can be a good thing or a bad thing if it becomes too obvious what you're doing with a running back if if the personnel you have on the field sort of uh, tips your hat as to what your play call is going to be, that's a problem. But having some versatility within that personnel also allows you to do some things that maybe you wouldn't want to do or couldn't do with just one guy. Um, Blackshear is really interesting to me because he's probably the most versatile of the group. Uh, he's probably not the best runner, but he is a good runner. He really lines up well if you split him out or put him in the slot, I think. And and, and really to me too, I think Travis Etienne was a great example of this last year. Um, using the running back out of the backfield as a threat in the receiving game, it becomes a really nice um, safety valve for your quarterback, but it also opens up some real windows of opportunity to do some things. I think this is really the direction you're seeing with NFL running backs now is they're moving much more into a kind of an all-around versatile thing. Um, Again, I'm not going to break any news by saying Amari Barno is pretty good, but when I talk to Virginia Tech coaches about, like, who is the guy who has really um, looked night and day better than they did last year – Barno's one of the first guys who, who they come up, I mean, without, without sort of knocking anything he did last year, because he was good last year, but the one thing they've said again and again is like, he was playing on instinct and talent last year. This was, again, a really random, weird offseason in which you try to move him to a new position, you haven't been able to have him go through a, a normal offseason of conditioning and training and nutrition, you didn't get to practice with him the way you might have wanted to, and he still went out there and had a really big year. Um, I think now that he has had a year to get his feet wet, to get his body in better condition for this role, um, that has a chance to be. I think he has a chance to go from being a guy who is doing it on ability to a guy who is doing it because he knows what he's doing. And and that has a chance to have a big uh, impact on his overall numbers.
0: So, David, in your calm, objective opinion, uh, what is the biggest area of concern from a position standpoint on this 2021 roster?
4: Uh, I I think quarterback is certainly a a position of concern. Now, It doesn't mean they don't have an answer. I think there's a chance that Burmeister's really good. But to me, that's the pivot point on all of this. If Virginia Tech's going to have a good season, the Burmeister needs to be – markedly better than the production that they have gotten out of the quarterback position the last few years. So, unless that's happening, I think there's going to be some real struggles along the way for Virginia tech. So without question, Burmeister is concern number one. Now I would feel pretty good if that was my concern. Number one, I think there's a lot of upside there, but um, you know, now I look at uh, positions where you say like, well, what is the answer? What do we have answers here? They got an answer at quarterback. I think they think, linebacker, I guess if you've got Dax in a, in, in, in a role that's probably fit suits him a little bit better, that's good. But Ashley was such a big part of what they did the last few years. His production was way higher than everybody else's over the last few years. And again, I'm not sure it's a position as we talked about with quarterback, they can't really afford a lot of injuries because there's not a ton of experience depth there either. Um, you know, and and then the, the D line and maybe the right side of the O line, there's some question marks. I'm not as concerned about them. I think you have some turnover on the D-line, but I actually like some of the guys that they've brought in. I think that's a unit, again, probably not a lot of depth. So really, actually, if you want to back all of this up, what's the biggest concern? Aside from quarterback, it's depth. They really can't afford a lot of injuries anywhere. And and as we saw last year, uh, hopefully there's not the type of COVID impact that we had last year with Virginia Tech. But injuries, COVID, whatever it is, you can't just aff- afford to have any you know, one or two starters from any position you group get hurt because the depth isn't, isn't there. But, um, you know, overall, I think if they stay healthy and you've got their ones out in the field, most of the time, the ones stack up pretty well. I think to me, um, you know, aside from maybe linebacker and, and again, making sure that you've got what you want out of the quarterback position, I think their ones are in good shape more or less, but, um, you know the depth is, has been an issue and i think sort of the trickle down of that is you have to ask long term if you're a virginia tech fan where is the recruiting at and why is depth such an issue after you know 5 years of of, of justin fuentes shouldn't there, the depth be a little less of a concern these are that's valid questions and and i think that's the you know, the other sort of beyond winning on the field i think that's the big key metric in determining where the direction of the program is long term
2: so i'm biased Um, we all kind of have our own opinions and it's good to bring in somebody who looks at the ACC as a whole is talking to all the coaches, coach Fuente. He's 38 and 26 in his tenure at Virginia tech worst year in program history or worst year in decades, at least for Virginia tech last year, given a bunch of different, um, challenges, but also challenges everybody was dealing with. Um, what is the perception of coach Fuente and the Virginia tech football program right now around the ACC and your own uh, perception?
4: Yeah, look, I think again it's it's sort of hard to undervalue where the recruiting is and and part of it is you know the 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 base where he's going to be recruiting has changed markedly since Frank Beamer was, you know, owning Norfolk and and Tidewater areas. I mean, this is um you know Mac Brown is, recorded, is, is recruiting in there, Dave Dorn is recruiting in there, um Maryland is, is Mike Loxley's coming down there to get recruits, you know, the The entire um, sort of dynamic of this, of sort of the Virginia, North Carolina recruiting bases have both become, I think, a lot more popular uh, regionally, if not nationally. And so it's harder to recruit. And I don't think anybody is going to suggest that Justin Fuente is the most dynamic recruiter out there. It's just not the case. So, how do you fix that? Winning fixes a lot of problems. And so, having a winning season can spark some energy on the recruiting trail. That maybe just from a a natural personality standpoint, Justin Fuente is not sort of hitting a home run on. Um, So that's that's one big part. I think the other part to this though is you realize how tenuous it is, and I think every coach will tell you that. Like once hot seat conversations happen, the reality is the spotlight keeps getting brighter and brighter and brighter on you, and you look at the first half of this Virginia Tech schedule. And there's a not a lot of room for error there because if you start off three and three, um, that conversation is going to get really loud around what is the future of our program. And the season has a chance to go downhill really quickly from that point. I mean, hell, if they go out and, and, and I don't think this is going to happen. I will say this, but if they go out and get curb stomped by North Carolina and the opener at home, the conversation is going to be really loud after one game. And what you don't want to have happen is sort of the snowball effect. And so it's, I I don't even know that it's necessarily a fair um, way to judge Justin Fuente, but the fact of the matter is if the first half of the season is a mess, I don't know how he turns out of that skid at this point. And I think that's the problem is you can't, you know, you would love as a, as an AD or as a fan to be able to cast as wide a net on the sample size that you're judging a guy by as possible, But the fact of the matter is there's going to be so much energy behind. We need to change if they don't start off strong that I don't know how you fix that. And that's a a lot of pressure to be playing under. And and while I think the coaches are going to want to do the best job they can of keeping that out of the locker room, players hear this. Their parents are talking about it. Their friends are talking about it. It's on the message boards. It's hard to sort of get all of that out of the conversation as you're preparing for a big game against North Carolina.
0: So with that being said, that kind of bodes the question we've talked on here these past few weeks about the magic numbers. So in your opinion, David, what what's make or break for this regime? What do you feel like is the number of games that Coach Fu and company has to win to stay in Blacksburg?
4: You know, it's sort of I think I mean, if if you're asking me, like, what's the number? I'd probably say something like eight and four, nine and three would probably be nine and three, probably safer. Um, but a little bit beyond that is sort of the specifics of like which games are we talking about? Again, like if you get housed by Carolina in the opener, the narrative becomes Carolina is here in the coastal and trending up, and you're here and trending down. And so what happens after that becomes a little less worth the conversation. Um, you know, does I don't think anybody's expecting them to beat Notre Dame. If they do, that's great, and it turns a lot of fans back over to Justin Fuente's side. So maybe if you go eight and four but beat Notre Dame, or you go nine and three but get housed by Carolina, in 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 one sense, the eight and four is almost better than the nine and three. So I don't know that there's a specific number, but I'm saying that if you've got to look good against Carolina, you can't lose to Virginia, um, and you can't go out and lose one of those games that you really need to win, whether it's. Pitt at home, Georgia Tech, Syracuse at home. Like you just, you can't afford to blow any of those. What I think Virginia Tech fans would assume are gimmies that really are probably not quite as gimmie as fans might think.
2: I'm glad you said that because one of the things that people or that I've noticed here is I don't think it's as simple as pinning it down to one number because if you remember last year, um, or if you were, let's take it back to 2019 you have what is a pretty impressive season when you move away from Ryan Willis and you go to Hendon Hooker and that offense actually averaged 34, almost 35 points per game, which was the mark they set in 2016. You lose to UVA, which in my opinion, UVA had the most talented player in the field and the better team. Uh, And then you lose to Kentucky and then everybody's kind of looking around like what the hell was this season when every other game before that, it was a, by all means, in my opinion, great, a great season. Uh, You go, you give Notre Dame a run for their money um, and you have a great offensive season. Um, So I guess the question for me is I'm sick of having this conversation. What do you think has to happen to where it's coach Fuentes, our coach. We're moving forward. It's not, Oh, let's give it one more year. Cause I don't want to be in this one more year cycle that we seem to be in right now.
4: And um, you know, to your point, I think with Virginia tech, it's a little, it's been a little bit under Fuente of like, the golfer who only remembers the putts that don't go in, you know, you forget all of the shots that that were good ones. Uh, and so I think there is sort of a, uh, a glass half empty with, with Fuente. Um, and I don't know how you change that. I mean, it's to some extent, you maybe don't want to because it's Virginia tech and, and the expectations should be high. Um, but also you can't really overlook reality and they've, they've, they've not had the quarterback they've wanted. They've not had consistency period. I mean, running back receiver and quarterback, the, the the team leaders and all of those positions have changed almost every year under Fuente from year to year. There's just not been a lot of consistency. So um, I think you need to provide some sort of foundation or reason to, to sort of end the season with people thinking like, okay, things are good. I think part of it is you've got to have, I mean, look, I, I know what Whip Babcock was trying to do at the end of last year. I understand the rationale in terms of finances and what it would have taken to fire Justin Fuente, I understand that Witt likes Justin and thinks that that this is a salvageable situation and doesn't want to pull the plug early and that he wanted to go out there and fall on the sword a little bit. I think it, it came off as being sort of a half-hearted endorsement. And if you're a Virginia tech fan, this is exactly what you're saying. Like, and I don't want to sit here and feel like this is, we're just punting for this year so that we can buy out the coach at a cheaper number next year. Like that's the, there's, there's no enthusiasm that comes with that. And look, if you win the, if you win the coastal this year, I I think that sort of erases the blackboard and buys Justin Fuente a fresh start. I still think that fresh start is probably going to come with a shorter leash than it would have three or four years ago. Um, You know, the Baylor situation certainly rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And the further you get away from that, maybe the better it is. But I mean, when you had Frank Beamer for decades, uh, your coach flirting with the school like Baylor, you know, fans don't like that. And, and I don't know how you fix those relationships. And this is one of the other things that went, I think said, and, and I, I frankly don't know if Fuente is capable of doing is that it's a fan base that wants a little more love from their head coach. Right. I mean, and not necessarily just in terms of winning, but sort of being out there and being accessible and being uh, sort of that fun, easy to appreciate guy, which Frank Beamer always was bud foster always was and, and look i've sat down with fuente plenty of times where it's just me and him and i think he's great i mean he's funny he's really engaging and smart and all of that stuff but it doesn't translate well on the the larger you make the stage and and i don't know how to fix that either i mean so some of it is either the the fan base has to adjust their expectation of who justin fuente is i don't mean wins and losses i mean just like who we, he, he can't be Frank Beamer. He's not going to be Frank Beamer. And, and if that's your constant frame of reference, you're never, he's never going to be enough. And the next coach probably isn't either. Um, but again, winning solves a lot of problems and makes a lot of things look better. And, you know, if you think back to after the uh, 2016 season, like would, would, would anybody have wanted to know? Everybody was afraid he was going to get uh, lured away by somebody else, you know? So I think you can get back to that by winning. And some of the other problems start to at least fade into the shadows. But some of the core issues that I think the Virginia Tech fans have with with Fuente are just sort of who he is and what he's all about. It's not a bad thing. It's just you got to get expectations on the same page where they overlap a little bit better.
1: So let's talk next week. Virginia Tech. We can now say next week. I love that. So exciting. Recording this on Sunday. Next Friday, uh, Virginia Tech versus North Carolina, 6 o'clock p.m. Is David Hale going to be in attendance?
4: I have applied for my credential, and at this point, I intend to be there. I have not heard Enter Sandman in a long time, and I'm eager to make this happen. How
2: long is a long time?
4: I think the last home VT game I covered was... I might be missing one, but I want to say the Clemson game, which would have been 17. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, there might be another one since then, but I can't, I can't think of it off the top of my head. That's the last one I distinctly remember. So yeah, it's been too long.
0: So just for the record, for everyone out there listening, David did an awesome write-up called mapping. Well, he was a part of a write-up called mapping out the ultimate 2021 college football road trip. And he actually consulted the sons of Saturday for a little advice uh, about game day weekend recommendations and my question to you, David, is if that media credential is approved and you are there, are you going to take some of our advice or your own <laughs> advice that you wrote about? Uh, what do, What do you hope to do that you haven't been able to do?
4: Well, so first of all, I was up in I was up in Blacksburg uh, last week actually to spend some time with Witt and Justin and some of the coaches but it was, it was on move-in day. And so I'd gone up there and I was like, Oh, I'm going to go get some, go eat at some good places. I like, or whatever. Maybe go have a beer somewhere. Um, and I ended up staying in Roanoke because all the hotels in Blacksburg were super expensive. And I couldn't get in. I was like, I'm not going to wait in line to get in any restaurants because there's everything was just packed. It's a like, damn moving day. And my terrible timing on this. Um, and I would like to make up for all of these things if I, if, when I come up uh, for the Carolina game, but the other problem is like, so my my, uh, real, like going back in the day at, at in Blacksburg is one of my best friends went to school there in undergrad. And, you know, we'd, we'd eventually make it the top of the stairs and I'd get a rail. And I don't remember what happened after that. So uh, I, as much as I would love to relive those times, uh, I also want, I'm supposed to cover Clemson and Georgia and Charlotte on Saturday. So I think I might have to table my rail consumption for a time in which Saturday is is free of any responsibilities.
2: We're going to be playing a little Marco Polo. Pat Finn and I uh, will actually be at the uh, Clemson-Georgia game as well. So uh, a lot of traveling going on that weekend. Um, This offseason, Carolina, like they do every year seemingly, has won the offseason. They're the cool pick. They got the guy. They got the offense. They got the coach. Landed a five-star defensive tackle just the other day. I think it was yesterday. Um, Do you think this hype is real? I feel like you ask this about Miami and North Carolina all the time. Uh, and if so, what is the ceiling for this Tar Heel football team?
4: I do think the hype is real with Carolina this year. And I this is not something I said last year. When people were hyping Carolina last year, I was just like, it's it's a year too early. They're not, not quite there yet. Um, and, and maybe I'm in over my skis on this too because it's hard to ignore the fact that they lost to Virginia and they lost to Florida State last year. Like that was a, a team that is about to – you know, contend theoretically for a playoff spot does not lose to Florida state and Virginia. But I also think like I've been around teams that have won national championships and oftentimes a key component of that national championship run is the flubs from years before sort of providing the um it's like in every sort of music documentary because you got to go through the low point before you have to you get to the high point the lessons you got to learn about who you are and what you want to be and how to get there and so there's a little bit i i i could easily paint that narrative that that's a little bit of what is happening for carolina i am a uh unabashed sam howell fan he is really really good um i I I remain a little bit skeptical about maybe some of the skill position pieces around him, but I think Ty Chandler is going to be good. I think Josh Downs is going to be really, really productive. Um, the biggest thing with that though, is their offensive coordinator. Phil Longo is just a genius when it comes to offensive football. And, you know, he's coached four years as an offensive coordinator. And I think he's had six different seasons of uh, running back going for 900 plus yards. So I, I think he'll find somebody. I don't know exactly what it all, who it's going to be, but I think it'll happen. And then the big thing with Carolina is the defensive side of the ball. I think it's just going to be night and day better than it was the last couple of years. I mean, they're just in such a better place defensively. And at the top of that list for me is Tony Grimes, the cornerback. The I mean, that dude is something special. Um, and again, when you talk about Virginia tech and like the guys they've missed out on, on the recruiting trail, um, you know, they used to own, Virginia Beach, and a guy like like Tony Grimes would not have gotten away from Virginia Tech. And Virginia Tech was his first offer back when he was a eighth grader, and he's at North Carolina right now. And I'm sure that that like makes Virginia Tech fans go crazy. Um, and I would not be surprised if he has a little something extra for this opener too, because uh, he's the kind of guy who wants to play up those those opportunities to be out on a stage like that. So I, I'm a buyer on Carolina. Um, can they win it all? The, the thing I try to I, I try to say is like they don't have to be better than Clemson for an entire season. They have to be better than Clemson for one Saturday in December. And two years ago, they weren't anywhere close to as good as Clemson, and still took Clemson to the wire. I'm not saying it can't happen. Isn't, am I picking against Clemson? Hell no, I am not that stupid. I've been I've done this enough years. But um, you know i uh, i I think the any given Saturday thing tends to be overstated. But in this case. They're not going to be massively out-talented. So I think on one particular Saturday in December, if they can get to that point, they've got a shot.
1: The last thing I want is to see all of that Carolina blue in Charlotte that first weekend in, in, uh, in December. I can't be having that. So we're going to talk about uh, – <laughs> We're going to talk about uh, you know some Vegas odds and uh, David Hale prediction, but UNC is listed as a five-and-a-half-point favorite over Virginia Tech next Friday night, and the over-under is 66 points. Too um, high. 66 is too high. Just going to say it. We'll see. Uh, David, what are your thoughts uh, as far as a prediction on this game next weekend?
4: Uh, I think Carolina wins. I would not, this is the point spread would be a stay away from me because you will not see me give five and a half points at home with anything near a decent team. I just can't do it. I, I and I'm not, I don't think I can take tech. Cause I think Carolina is capable of sort of hitting the gas and, you know, doing something crazy. I'm just not going to predict it. Um, but I, yeah, I think I might agree that under is awfully appealing because, A, I think that number is being set based on Carolina's defensive performance last year, and I think they're better. Uh, B, I think Carolina's offense is as good as it might be by the end of the year. I mean, remember the Syracuse opener for Carolina last year. They looked like total crap for three quarters, and that was with a pretty veteran team that had played together already. Um, I think there's going to be a little of a feeling out process. So, I mean, I could see this game getting to the half at like you 14-10 know, or something like that. Um. So, yeah, I would probably be inclined. If I'm taking something, I'm probably going with the under on that.
2: Last couple of questions we have relating to the Coastal, um, and we'll do these quick, kind of a rapid-fire way. Uh, what are three games that you are most excited about coming up here uh, in the Coastal or the ACC in general?
4: Oh, good question. Um, well, I mean, the Virginia Tech-Carolina probably top my list. Uh, really, any combination of Virginia Tech, Carolina and Miami; those three, uh, I think, are all going to be interesting. Um, the I, I think the Notre Dame gets what well, Notre Dame gets. Tech, they get Carolina? And I think they get Georgia Tech this year too. So are, are you part of the I, are, are you part of the that.
2: media? Are you part of the media conglomerate that is now lumping uh, the yes, Irish into to the, to the ACC? There.
4: Once you play in an ACC championship game against Clemson, you are officially part of the ACC Coastal forever. <laughs> um so yeah i mean th- there's actually some good non con i mean tech and west virginia if you're going sort of non-conference too is really i think a, an interesting one i don't know what to expect from west virginia this year i think they're going to be okay but i'm not I, I i like sort of renewing some of those rivalries that you don't get to see very much but but that have some real history to them
0: expect um, that car batteries will be thrown at our players <laughs> I, <expect
4: that. laughs> I uh yeah i have um I have a handful of West Virginia friends and um, not <laughs> it is. I grew up in Philly and I think like Morgantown is sort of like the Appalachian Philly. It's uh, there's <laughs> it's just no real decorum within that fan base. And I can appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, again, I mean, it's, it's to me, it's, I think there's, I'm actually like, I look at a team like Georgia tech and I think they're really interesting this year because I think that's going to be a much better football team. But their schedule is absolutely brutal, and I don't know how they get to six wins. Um, you know, Pitt. I I rode the Pitt bandwagon last year and drove off the cliff into a fiery, fiery death, and so I'm not doing that again. Uh, so it comes down to me. It comes down to Carolina, Miami, and Virginia Tech, and I kind of want to. I'm fascinated to see. I think all three of those matchups are going to be really good.
2: Well, uh, you may have driven off a cliff, but I wanted to drive off a cliff after we played Pittsburgh last year. Um, So we're both in that boat. Uh, Do you have a sleeper pick outside of that three, Uh, whether it's someone that can uh, appear in the Coastal Chaos um, rankings here or somebody that might knock somebody off of their game?
4: Well, again, I think, look, is Georgia Tech going to be a good team this year, uh, wins and losses wise? If they get to six and six, then Jeff Collins has done one hell of a coaching job. But my guess is, they're going to win at least one that they have no business winning and whether it's, you know, they got, they get Carolina at home this year. So maybe they do something crazy. Again, Carolina has a little bit of a history of that. Um, You know, they get, they're playing Clemson. I don't think they're going to give Clemson a hard time, but you know, maybe, maybe, Um, you know, the Notre Dame game for them should be interesting. They get Georgia at home at the end of the year. Like I, I'm not saying they should win any one of them, and I don't think that they're going to be even close to favored in any one of them. But there's enough talent on Georgia Tech now that it would not surprise me if you see, you know, just the most, like it's the game from this year that they haven't, the team has no business winning, but they do. And everybody's like, how the hell did that just happen? To me, Georgia Tech is going to do pull off one of those games this year. You
0: have a, I'll I'll call this air quotes, not sure I believe the hype pick who may underperform in the Coastal? Uh,
4: I mean, I guess I'd probably say Miami. Um, And I'm not sure that I don't like Miami, but if you look at where their strength was last year, it was in the D-line and a lot of that talent left, and I'm not quite sure what they've got there at this point. The linebacking core was a mess last year, and I'm not sure how much better it is. So i really worry about their front seven. Um, and then I, I, I think they have addressed what was their biggest issue in offense, which is which they had no sort of field stretching game breaker at receiver, but as much as everybody loves DR King and he is great. I mean, the dude tore his ACL in January and while I don't doubt that he's able to go back out there and play and perform, is he going to be that mobile, you know, strike fear into your heart with his legs type of quarterback nine months off of that surgery, I mean, I know that ACL tear is not what it used to be, but I still have a hard time sort of wrapping my head around like nine months after that injury, he is going to go back out on a field and be old De'Aaron King right away. So I'd say that I don't necessarily think Miami is going to be bad this year, and their schedule just shapes up pretty nicely for them. But that's a team where there feels like there's a little bit more enthusiasm behind them than I probably have for them.
1: So let's let's talk about the Atlantic real quick. We know who's going to win the Atlantic division of the ACC, but there are, two, far, teams, yes.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> there are two teams that are relatively intriguing uh, going into 2021. Uh, first of all, NC State, uh, Dave Dorn's got a lot of talent returning. People are saying that this team you know, could potentially win eight or nine games. Then you also have Boston College under Jeff Halfley, who's really right at the ship up there. They're recruiting really well. They have a ton of uh, their wide receiver talent uh, returning this year. Out of the NC State or BC hype, are you buying one of them versus the other? Um, what are your thoughts on both of these schools?
4: I like Jeff Hafley and I like Phil Jerkovic. And I know everybody's high on BC. I kind of go the opposite with them. Um, I think they're probably a year away from really turning the table. And they remind me a little bit of, of 2019 Louisville where they were so much better than people thought they were gonna be in Scott Satterfield's first year. And it was like, Louisville, gonna be great. And then they come out in 2020 and they were, you know, all the luck, all the good luck that they had in 2019 went the opposite way in 2020 and they weren't. That's a little bit of what BC feels like to me. The fascinating thing with NC state is if you wanted to make an analogy between NC state and Virginia tech, there's a really easy one to make there. A lot of established starting talent coming back defense that wasn't great, but should be better this year um, veteran receiving core and a quarterback who had a very small sample size, but that supposedly is going to be, you know, the coaches love and he's going to be great. And it's very funny to me that people are looking at NC state and saying, this is their year. And people are looking at Virginia tech and saying, well, if Flint is about to get fired. This is going to be a disaster. Because to <laughs> me, they profile very, very similarly. Um, now, you know, I look at NC state and I think that schedule last year was fairly soft. Um, I think depth is not their strong suit either. They can't really afford injuries. They did not run the ball well last year, despite the fact that they've got a couple of good running backs and a supposedly very good NFL caliber O-line. I, I guess I'm slightly higher on NC State than I am on BC at this point, just because I think they're a little bit further along. Um, but I'm I'm not exactly like driving the the bus on, uh, on an NC State bandwagon either. I think they're going to be, good and probably not great. I, I, I'll i be honest with you, the team in the, in the Atlantic that I think is going to surprise people is Louisville because I think, again, everything that could have gone wrong last year went wrong. They don't have to play markedly better to just have luck go on their side a little bit more this year to be a lot better in the wins and loss column. So um, Yeah, I mean, Clemson's probably going to win this by a couple of games, and I don't really know that there's anybody who's going to challenge them, but I think Louisville's the one that has a higher ceiling maybe. I could see a lower floor for them, but I think a higher ceiling too.
2: And I hope you're right about Boston college because I am absolutely mortified of playing in chestnut Hill in November. <laughs> um, I have almost in my brain chalked that up to a loss at this point.
4: I have a, uh, it's funny. Cause I've been doing this. Uh, we've been sort of slowly checking off names on this story that me and a couple of colleagues are working on about the 2001 Miami team, which I think most people would argue is, is maybe the best college football team that has ever been assembled. Uh, And it's funny because talking to those guys, they will say their two toughest games were Virginia Tech, which obviously everybody remembers where that game came down to, um, and Boston College. And part of the Boston College struggle for them was that Ken Dorsey got hurt and wasn't playing well in the second half. I mean, he was kind of limping through that game. But talking to guys and they're just like, November in Chestnut Hill is just the worst place to be. You cannot, like, like it's almost like how they pump in crowd noise to get you ready at practice for a big game. They have to do the opposite. They should make you play with like earmuffs on and see what it's like to be in complete silence for a big game because that's what Chestnut Hill in November is. Um, It is a, it is a trap game for everyone. So yeah. Anyway, if it, if it intimidated 2001 Miami, i damn sure she intimidate everybody else.
1: You had to bring up the 2001 Virginia Tech Miami game. (laughs) Out of pocket, (laughs) David.
4: Ernest (laughs)
0: Wilford drop. Like, oh, gosh. (laughs) Uh,
1: So let's zoom out a little bit here. Last question here before we jump into the letters from the lunch pail. What does the world and the future of college football look like in the eyes of David Hale with everything going on between NIL conference realignment Texas and Oklahoma are, you know in my eyes ruining a lot of a lot of things right now and alliances
4: I wish I had an answer for you I really do like I in the short term I don't know how much changes significantly in the long term I mean you could tell me almost anything and I I'd, I'd believe it and I, look I've talked to a number of ADs and commissioners who uh yeah the the question I kind of, I keep asking at this point is like crystal ball 10 years from now, what's college football look like? And there's not a lot of good answers here. There's certainly not a lot of certainty. Um, Would it shock me if we were in a world where uh, there's sort of a haves and have nots and a direct compensation to players and then another sort of more amateur model um, sort of akin to when the Ivy league kind of moved away from playing at the highest level to focus on being more truly amateur or whatever that is. um, I think that's certainly a possibility. And I don't know if that's 10 years away, 20 years away. I think that's the trend line that we're following though. And I think a lot of what you see with this Alliance and a lot of what you see with Texas and Oklahoma going to the sec is people in positions of power understand where that trend line is pointing and they want to make sure that they're best positioned with a soft landing place when it gets there. So how that all ends up shaking out and looking at and what it looks like, I don't know. But as much as sort of money has, I mean, money will continue to, to to ultimately drive things. But I think you're going to see this sort of piece of the puzzle, which is philosophy, the philosophy that schools have about how they want to be viewed and what they view college athletics as, will be as much a determining factor in who they want to play with and where they want to play and how they want to operate as anything. Because right now, I mean. The fact of the matter is that you can put, uh, you know, Kent State and Texas under the same broad category of FBS football, but Texas has a budget that is literally 10 times what Kent State's is, and, uh, you know, I don't, they're not playing the same sport anymore, and I think as those numbers continue to separate, and look, the SEC is going to sign a massive new TV deal when Texas and Oklahoma join, Big Ten has a TV deal coming up, as does the Pac-12, the money is just getting more and more divergent and and i just don't think we we can't remain where we are it's there's going to be a separation at some point i think the nca is on its last legs and i think what happens from there anybody it's anybody's guess
2: well, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on uh, on that alliance and, and what you have to say about it. Uh, I was kind of hoping to come out of that question feeling a little better, but can't say can't not, say I
4: am feeling a ton better.
2: Um, I'm, not here,
4: I'm not here to be very supportive today, apparently. I don't
2: know. Sorry. <laughs> uh, the last section we have for you, letters from the lunch bale. We have two. The first comes from Chris Gibbons. Out of the last season, seven seasons in the Coastal, which season embodies the Coastal Chaos spirit the most? By the way, Love the cameo on the Coastal Chaos. That was some great That was some great content. Anything that can replace – look, I don't want to badmouth the ACC Network, but anything to replace the commercials that they sign sometimes, um, I, I am all for. So more of the uh, ACC. I,
4: I firmly believe, just to piggyback on that, I think if I was running the ACC Network, which Lord knows everyone at the SPN is glad that that's not the case, uh, I would lean into this kind of stuff so much. ACC doesn't need to be the SEC. Be the weird, quirky, crazy uncle of the SEC or whatever. Like, lean into this. I think that's like half the fun of loving the ACC is loving how ridiculously stupid half of it is, and I'm all for that. Uh, The most coastal chaotic season, they all sort of blur together. I mean, it's hard not to go with 2013 because the idea of Duke winning the coastal before Miami did just makes everyone except for Miami so happy. Um, that, that I think I would have to go with 2013, but there have definitely been some years where you're just like, how, and God, like, there's no reason to award a winner here. Just give, uh, <laughs> give them a participation trophy and then let Clemson go play in the playoff because, um, there's really, it's, there's been some lean years. Let's put it that way.
0: Our last letter, or I guess our second and last letter from the lunch bell comes from Pete McGee. He asks, VT's national and conference brand seems to really have taken a hit the last decade. Does David see a path for VT to regain national slash conference prominence in the next two to five years? How is VT perceived by the rest of the ACC and media?
4: I like this. Yes, this is a good question because, um, you know, we talk about what's the future of college football, and... Whereas the last time Realignment was happening in 2010, 11, 12, we were talking about TV markets. That was the only thing that really mattered. It's the reason Rutgers is in the Big Ten. Um, And now that's really not an issue. And certainly by the time the ACC's TV deal is up in 2036, I mean, who knows how much linear TV there actually is at that point. What matters now is brand and and this is what you're seeing with the remnants of the big 12 after Oklahoma and Texas leave is that there's not another brand in that league that truly matters uh, in the grand scheme of things. And so you need to have either a brand for yourself and there's not a lot of them. I mean the fact of the matter is there's there's probably a tier of 15 to 20 like big brand move the needle every year brands. And then there's probably another tier of 15 to 20 that have some possibility. And that's where I would probably put Virginia Tech right now. Um, They have some name recognition, they have history, they have a a great stadium, a great game day experience and a good fan base. Um, To some degree you have uh, uh, the Washington DC Metro market near nearish by. Um, and I always said it was so ridiculous that that Big Ten thought that Maryland was moving the needle on D.C. with them. And I was like, I've spent enough time in D.C. to tell you that's Virginia Tech fans. It's not Maryland fans. Um, but, but you know, the long term of this is, is how do you grow that brand? And it's fascinating to me because I think college football, the business side of it, has shifted so much since that last round of realignment a decade ago. And if you were a team that was just hitting your stride at that point, like Clemson, look where Clemson is right now. Unfortunately, Virginia Tech was sort of just coming down off of a high level. You know, if you take the 2010, like 2000 through 2010 of Virginia Tech football and shift that out a decade to be 2010 through 2020, I think we're talking about a much different landscape for Virginia Tech. But it's sort of timing is so much of everything. I mean, Vanderbilt ends up getting SEC paychecks because of a, a quirk in timing when they joined the league. Um, uh, and, and while the rest of college football sort of moves in, in great big waves. So I think Virginia tech is still relatively well positioned to have a soft landing place somewhere. And, and look, if the ACC dissolved tomorrow, the sec and the big 10 would probably both have real interest in Virginia tech. That's a good thing. That's a much better spot to be in than what you're seeing with these other teams, in the big 12 right now, but you do run the risk. And I think Miami is a little bit of a good example of this. And that when you go too long without sort of hitting your high notes, um, that you start to fade from the public conscious. And I think it's harder and harder to get there. You know, the, the 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 truly great brands and the ones that move the needle and that win big and recruit big and make tons of money, that, that funnel has gotten narrower uh, in recent years. And I think there's fewer teams that are doing it. And so I'm not saying like the clock is ticking on Virginia Tech. I don't know that that's the case, but I – I do think there's sort of a window of opportunity that so much is changing right now that you don't want to be at at an ebbing point of your program when all of those changes happen. You want to be trending in the right direction when those changes happen. So somebody wants to bring you along for the ride.
2: David, we can't thank you enough for your time. I know you're you're busy now and about to get super duper busy. Um, So really, really appreciate your time. Looking forward to this season coming up um and looking forward to hopefully getting you on again soon we appreciate it um my, my uh, pleasure anything, anything going on with you do you have anything coming out soon or stuff for uh, the folks to look out
4: for oh, oh you know i do have something coming out i'm trying to finish up now i think it's coming out at the end of this week we are doing this big project i don't know what the actual end result uh, headline will be but the pitch was 50 people influencing the future of college football so as we're talking about what is the future of college football This is a big thing we've dug into on all kinds of different subjects where we've talked to a whole bunch of different people on like ways that the game is changing. Um, So I think that's coming out the end of this week, but it's a big project I've spent most of the last like two months working on. So please, by all means, click on it and make my bosses think that I'm somewhat competent.
2: David, looking forward to it and looking forward to more Simpsons gifts for the rest of the season. You take care and we uh, hope to talk to you soon. All
4: right. Thanks, guys.
3: to wander tripping in the sand we smoke out windows drink till we can't stand but i saw you dance like you want to in my head Love